This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Teaching writing, the Late Show with Rogers History with Tom Rogers. And now, if you are just joining us, while we get everyone in, it is worth a shout out to one of our sponsors, and that is. Uh, with a Slack group, uh, leading provider of specialist education and care, uh, currently have some fantastic career opportunities and training available. So check them out at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk uh, Radio. Good evening, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, just adding you as a co-host now, so we're all here. I'll try and get those other people invited as well. Uh, Brilliant. There we go. So I know there's Miss Evans, I'll add her. Uh, how Kate as well. Yeah, it's going well. I'm, I'm excited about this conversation tonight. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in already. Um, obviously, just a reminder that you can listen back to this uh, whenever you want on uh, on Spaces. It's available for 30 days. We might also uh, make it available as a podcast as well. Uh, we'll we will see. Um, but it's it's great to be able to talk about this issue and the reason I've chosen the title approach is to teach and write in. I don't necessarily think for me, it's something that I've necessarily done well um, over time. I, I don't think as a history teacher, it's something that I ever cracked. It's something that I ever thought, oh, you know what, I've cracked this. So that's why I chose it as a topic, really, and particularly to hear from uh, English teachers. Uh, about their approaches to writing and how they uh, deliver a, a writing curriculum, if you like, and how they support uh, all different sorts of, of, of students with their writing, right from the kind of uh, word go uh, forward. So that's really the point of today. And I've got some, some really exciting uh, guests joining me. Uh, I've got Samantha Evans, who's already here. Sam, you okay? Yeah, hi, I'm good, thanks. Are you okay? Yes, not too bad, thank you. Uh, I've got Sam, who is a... Who, do, do you want to tell people what your role is first? Um, I'm a head of English in a secondary school in South Wales. Yes. Um, I run Key Stage 4 and 5, and I also help coordinate literacy within the school and other initiatives. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, so, I mean, what a guess to start with. <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, I've also got Kate here as well. Kate, I think you're connected now. Yep. Hiya. Hi, Tom. Hello. Uh, do you want to just introduce yourself as well in terms of your role? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, um, I've actually been leading a whole school drive to um, improve writing right at the sentence level. And we're, we're just starting our second year of um, what's turning out to be really successful. But also, you know, we're taking it slowly. And I think that is the way to go. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking about our, our lessons learned, I think. From, uh, from the rollout. Spot on. Uh, I'll also have Elaine joining us. Um, she's not here yet, but she will uh, hopefully be joining us as well. Um, and she's an English head of department. She has an, a master's in Victorian literature. Um, she's keen on teaching and learning. And she also published, which I think kind of inspired this show. She 
published a resource which looked at um, how to teach writing. It's, it's currently pinned to her kind of uh, her Twitter at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, so so if people want to check that out, her Twitter is at uh, Mrs. Mac, uh, Mrs. Mac Teach 33. Uh, so if you want to uh, check out the resource and it's pinned to her kind of profile there, and um, which I, it really kind of intrigued me and made me think about this particular show and how we could how we could put it forward so yeah three guests uh, lots to talk about tonight before we get kind of stuck in uh i thought maybe would be a good opportunity to talk about a few things that we've got coming up uh with regards to teachers talk radio one of them is pinned to the teachers talk radio twitter account which is um an event we have a a face-to-face event coming up, which is jointly run between Teachers Talk Radio and With a Slack Group, who are one of our partners at Teachers Talk Radio. I'm just going to pin the details of that event into the space. Uh, so if you want to have check it out, it is completely free. Um, it is at the Manchester Art Gallery, which is an absolutely beautiful venue in the centre of Manchester. Lunch is included, no deposit needed. And we've got some incredible speakers uh, to announce in the coming days. As I say, tickets completely free. Um, you can just sign up on the link, which is in uh, pinned to the space now. And it's also pinned on the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter account. So if you, whether you live in Manchester or anywhere, it is well worth uh, checking that out. It's next month. Um, and yeah, and the speakers are going to start to be announced this week. Really exciting. Uh, great kind of uh, partnership we've got with with Slack Group, and that event is part of that. And I know Nathan, who's who's admin in today, is going to be uh, myself and and Nathan and uh, Leanne and various other people involved at TTR are going to be kind of there as well. So it'd be wonderful to to see as many people as possible there. Um, right, Elaine is here now. Elaine, good evening. Hi. Sorry Elaine, about it was that. my fault. I didn't I didn't send you the actual link to. I, I stupidly just presumed that that you that the the um, the link was there and it wasn't, so it's my fault. I didn't even send you the link to join. But anyway, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, glad I made it. Excellent. Can you introduce yourself for us? We've already done the introductions for um for Sam and Kate, so yeah, if you want to introduce yourself as well. Yeah. So um, my name's Elaine Elaine McNally, and I'm a head of English. Brilliant. Okay. Um. Right. Well. Do you know what? You three are the experts. So I want to talk us through. Um, I've, I've got a range of questions here and we're going to kind of go through them periodically. And, and if you want to kind of give answers to them, you can. If you, if you want to pass on a question, you can also do that. The first question I want to ask each one of you in turn is a simple one to begin with, which is how do you teach writing? So, Elaine. I don't know whether you could. So, in fact, no, Elaine, I'm oh. going to give you a minute to chill because okay. I feel like you've just literally been barreled into this conversation. So That's... I'm going to I'm going to put you third. I'm going to give you a moment to chill. Okay. Um, and I'll start with with Sam because she was the first one to join the space. Sam, how do you teach writing? Well, that's a big question. It is. Uh, it is. Way to begin. Mm. Uh, and do you know what, Tom? Unfortunately, 
Paul the Accardo man has just arrived. Could you give me five Yes, minutes? yes, definitely. Kate. Sorry, I'm Kate, too sad. It's okay. Kate, how do you teach writing? Please don't <laughs> answer in walks. Third time lucky. Um, right, the how is um, actually kind of, uh, I think, the most important question this evening. I think the what's and the why's um, are pretty obvious, I, I think. But how do we do it? Um, in a nutshell, um, and remember that I'm talking from a perspective of someone who, uh, I am an English teacher myself, but I'm training everybody in the whole school who has anything even vaguely to do with um, extended writing. So it's kind of half the departments in the school, maybe just over. Um, and I think the most important thing to remember is that you have to teach any sentence level writing strategy through the content of your subject. Um, I think it's well understood now that like teaching things in isolation, you know, kind of constantly, um, you know, hammering kind of grammar or um, sentence level activities that aren't tethered to the content of your subject, um, I think is pointless. Um, and I think it, lots of people think it's pointless. So I, you know, this is this is sort of ideas taken from the writing revolution. So um, I think it's just really important that like if a student is learning how to use a subordinating conjunction, they're learning how to use it while learning new content at the same time, um, which I think is, is pretty much proven to sort of encode, um, you know, several um, kind of learnings uh, simultaneously, the subject you're learning, but also the way of writing. Um, so that's kind of my main takeaway. I mean, I could talk all evening on this, so please just pop <laughs> in and tell me to stop. <laughs> do you want to just expand on that a little bit, Kate? For people, yeah. you've got a lot of non-specialists here, a lot of people who aren't English teachers, including me. So you're saying that when you say content, what do you mean by that? So um, actually, you've caught me at a good point in the academic year because I'm I'm teaching out of specialism. Um, I'm actually teaching psychology at the moment, A-level. Yeah. Um, and so this has been a really amazing opportunity for me to like start applying um, some of the stuff that it feels like very natural to me in the English classroom um, to an, like a non-English subject. So, for example... Um, like, tell me if I'm getting too specific, but, um, you know, launched year 12 psychology last week and we were talking about, um, like, the reasons why um, psychologists and people who aren't psychologists argue whether the subject is a science or isn't. So, you know, bombard the kids with facts. They've got tons and tons of uh, terminology to learn. They've read the stuff in the textbook. Um, and actually, instead of defaulting to uh, a set of Q&A, you know, classic comprehension questions that you might always put at the end of a bit of learning, um, a, a bit of or a bit of content delivery, sorry. Um, instead, what I do now is their summary notes after every chunk of new learning um, are couched in um, complex sentences. Um, so, for example, like I taught them what a hypothesis was and I taught them what a null hypothesis was. And instead of just Q&A at the end of the end of the lesson, what's a null hypothesis? I don't want them like, you know, that would be fine. But actually what I want them to do is to write a sentence that looks like this. While a hypothesis sets out, student inserts answer, comma, a null hypothesis, and then the student finishes the sentence. So they're actually drawing together like two contrasting ideas within the same sentence. They're still defining hypothesis and defining null hypothesis, yeah. but they're establishing the contrast between the two ideas by using while. And I've got 
you know, a whole raft of them with despite and although and uh, even though um but well, it's give, also us, give us one more give us one more example then if that's one give us give us one more yeah sure so um um despite the controlled conditions a laboratory provides so i've given them the whole first uh, stem there the whole first subordinating clause comma many psychologists opt to conduct observational research as and then the student has to basically explain you know the, the rationale for, a, for why a psychologist would conduct observational research um, i've given them the answer for why um why they would pick a lab so it's essentially setting up those contrasts within the same sentence and a lot of like psychology a level as i'm learning uh, is very evaluative uh, they have to be able to like write really concisely but but like hold lots of ideas in contention with one another in the same sentence and um, so i'm actually starting to realize the the value of this in um kind of even at the sort of like the the point of learning new information if they can learn new information um and how it relates to other pieces of new information and encode it in one of these complex sentences i think it's i think it's real gold dust for the, for their understanding as well as their writing yeah super i mean it's really interesting like as a non-specialist and also someone who has never really in their career had detailed training on how to teach writing that's really interesting to to hear that um i'll bring i'll bring elaine in now actually elaine are you there yeah i am yeah how i wondered well first of all i wondered whether you had anything to say on what kate said but then i was also just going to ask you how yeah. do you teach writing um, so yeah, Katie's points about content, um, I think 100% I would agree with. I also just want to say, when you say like, how do you teach writing? <laughs> I use Katie's blogs. <laughs> I'm a little bit starstruck. Yeah, um, her blogs are amazing. So um, I would use them. But in terms <laughs> of kind of like how I would maybe approach things. Um, so my experience has been a little bit different because at the moment, I'm not scaling up what I'm doing um, to a whole school thing. It's um, been just through our department. Um, and I'd say mostly in terms of how I've kind of taught writing in terms of to our staff and in the classroom, it's been making it a really shared experience. Um, and that, I think, has been at the heart of everything that we've, you know, we've been trying to do, that we've learned as teachers how to write together and um, when we do it in the classroom it's all about making it that you know so that the students see that um, see the teacher write they get that experience um, we kind of set the the kind of pace and the and the parameters for the lesson through our own writing so I would say probably at the heart of everything um, we're trying to do is to make it make it really shared um, and to kind of show that writing is uh, kind of you know it has more than one outcome it doesn't have to be perfect um and that it's a kind of community experience as well yeah brilliant i love um, that yeah and then a sort of other stuff i suppose is so massive like writing is just massive and i guess part of like teaching that is deciding what to kind of prioritize and then when you've prioritize that stuff it's like deciding how to break that down how to structure it in a quite kind of sort of methodical way yeah pose yeah well interestingly i mean you the, the you kind of inspired this show a little bit with your thread that you published a little bit ago yeah. which, which is basically a resource isn't it for yeah how to teach writing um 
I wonder maybe because I'll what I'll do actually is I'll pin that into the kind of show mm. so people can see what I'm actually talking about here. Uh, so people can can take a look. Can you talk me through that in terms of the, the, this kind of resource? Because um, you went, you go through every process of it. Yeah. In terms of, so you say in the first bit, we began with a questionnaire to focus on our thinking, yeah. and then it goes all the way down through what you did. So do you want to kind of talk yeah, me through sure. that resource and that process? That questionnaire was super interesting. And I actually had quite a lot of DMs about that, quite a lot of questions and about how I kind of um, sort of delivered it to the department, how I presented it, what we did with our responses. When I wrote that questionnaire, I was 100% aware that I was exposing my own weaknesses. Um, and I think that sort of to go back to your original question, like how do you teach writing? I think teachers and particularly English teachers are in a quite an odd position sometimes because we're taught that we have to teach writing and we're taught how to mark writing, but we wouldn't necessarily see ourselves as writers. Um, and I think, you know, so we're kind of in a bit of a strange position sometimes. And so... I sort of thought, well, I'm an English teacher. I should know how to teach writing. Surely I know how to teach writing. And I thought, well, you know, some of the stuff we were doing was okay, but there was definitely room for improvement. And so that what I did with that questionnaire um, is we all filled it in in department time. Um, it was basically a kind of sort of think-pair-share for the department. We then sort of all filled it in. We kind of discussed it um, you know, in pairs or little groups. And then I stuck my response under a visualizer and I went through my answers and, in, and invited people to include their responses. So I didn't make anybody um, kind of, uh, you know, tell me, sort of reveal anything. But I think because we sort of started from that point of vulnerability, actually, I felt that everybody was on board really quickly. Because it wasn't about saying, we're not doing it right, we must do this. It was more just, can we just do better? We can all do better. So it was a really interesting place to start. Brilliant. I don't know if you want to say anything. No, I mean, yeah. I, I, it's probably best if I bring maybe Kate back in. I don't mm. know if you've seen the thread, Kate, and whether you want to comment on what Elaine said. Because, I mean, you guys are the experts, so I want to hear from you, really, on this. Need to unmute yourself, Kate, but I'm a favor. Sorry. Yes, okay. um, yeah, I mean, kind of what specifically, I thought, Elaine, I thought your thread was, was so helpful and there are so many things on there that I've now stolen in turn. So thank you for <laughs> thank you for, for mentioning my blogs, but your stuff's also fantastic, the way you've collated it. Oh, um, what specifically, Tom, did you... Yeah. Kind of... So just whether, I mean, is, is there anything in that thread that you do or do different or is that is that... Is that what I suppose what I'm asking is, is there a set way within the community that is a way to do this? Or is it just literally open to whatever that individual? To, I mean, obviously, there's frameworks and whatnot. I, I get that. But is is there a it, what are you basing this this on these models on? Are you just coming up with them or are you or are you basing them on something specific? Oh, well, I mean, I can't take any credit for like the idea for the for the what, you know, the, the things that we've been focusing on at my school. Um, I will say, like, obviously, Elaine covers a lot of ground in her in her tweet. There's so many different amazing kind of um, strategies and amazing 
um, ways in which to improve writing at yeah. sentence level. And I, I do think it's worth saying that um, what we've found to be particularly successful is is kind of axing some of the ones. That, and it's painful to say that, you know, God, I'd love to be able to teach that that particular uh, sentence structure. But just focusing on a few things and doing them repeatedly um, really, really well has led, uh, I think, to kind of um, things becoming a proper, like, common language. And I, I hate that phrase because I know some people just trot it out, oh, a common language. But genuinely now, like, every member of staff kind of understands what a U-turn subordinating conjunction is. And, you know, we've done that at the expense of, like, we haven't even got on to things like transition phrases or, um, you know, time markers, none of that we've covered yet, but we've just focused basically on five words <laughs> for, for almost a year, well, with, with a few other things as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be one of my main takeaways. And I think, like, looking at Elaine's list, it's about picking what feels right um, and kind of um, accessible for, like, everybody in your school, if that's if that's the, the route you're going down like we did. Um, so, essentially, for us, it was just boiled down to teaching the kit well the teachers and then the children how to use um subordinating conjunctions that create contrast yeah uh, how to teach a positives um which by the way we haven't kind of made mandatory because lots of our departments particularly like the history department said yeah hang on like a positives they sound brilliant in english but um in history the children are just stuffing their sentences full of facts and that doesn't work for us so there had to be some flexibility um sorry stuffing their sentences full of like the wrong facts or token facts i'm sure tom you've probably experienced that um and um <laughs> and then what we we're working on this year is this amazing sentence structure that you also mentioned elaine the not only but also which um is set up as a nice kind of um you know if, if a kid has like all their information in front of them they can either draw together contrasting ideas in the same sentence using despite although even though our subordinating conjunctions that have a u-turn or if their ideas are actually complementary they'll use a not only but also um sentence structure which we've literally just launched this september so it took all of last year to really like entrench u-turn subordinating conjunctions uh with a few other things sort of peppered in between but really those are the main drive along with because but so uh at the start and now it's not only but also <laughs> we're in it and for the long this, game <laughs> is this at key stage three cage that you're talking no about? no 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 it's for ev everybody it's it's literally from year seven to thirteen okay. um and i think what what kind of we're all particularly proud of as a group is is um you know, I'll go into an A-level politics or sociology lesson and the teachers are explicitly teaching the kids, like at sentence level, like how um, an introduction or a conclusion might work in an evaluative answer, making yeah. use of, you know, U-turn subordinating conjunctions. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's pretty forensic, I think, is the word. Yeah, so, so like, when you say forensic, you, you mean, like, explicit, as in, like, your... You, teachers across different subjects are, are, are literally telling almost like in detail explaining the, the, these things to the students yeah yeah so so for example um our sociology teacher he says to the students when they're like setting out their stall for their argument at the start of their a-level yeah. sociology essay the first half of your sentence that starts with your u-turn subordinating conjunction so it starts with despite the first half of your sentence 
needs to summarize your weaker argument or the weaker side of the argument. And the second half, so the main clause, needs to like really kind of put forward the thrust of the argument that you are going to end in favor of. Um, so it's that kind of level of, of detail that the students yeah. are being taught, even A level. So how do like year sevens and eights say, and at, at the kind of, I mean, do you differ if you like differentiate? I mean, how do you differentiate this? Because I mean, even 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 as adults, some of this stuff is is blooming blooming difficult. I was going to swear then, blooming difficult. <laughs> um, so how do you like? I mean, with year sevens and eights, does some of this go over their heads completely? No, I don't, I, I don't think it does because the it's all done through the content. You know, if you're teaching, um, I think my blog sort of used the example of trench warfare. You know, it's very easy for a pupil to spot a contrast in the information that's being delivered to them and to then draw it together into the same sentence. Um, and we do a lot of, of work with kind of gesture and, um, uh, yeah, I suppose probably the main main point I'm trying to make is like um, kind of whole imagining the sentences are sort of floating in front of you and you making kind of U-turn gestures with your hands. And I think there's a sort of whole suite of like pedagogical skills that kind of help help that but actually fundamentally like no we are really we're teaching you know 11 year olds the same sentence structures as yeah. we're teaching 13 uh, 18 year olds and presumably that must have a positive impact on if they do get it in year seven eight or whatever i'm guessing that then has hopefully a knock-on effect up the school i mean you yeah must... I think so. I think it's too early to say like how, yeah. you know, um, but I, it, we've certainly, um, we've, we've noticed a qualitative difference yeah. in the student's writing. Hi, I'm Charlie Burley, the teacher's health coach, and I want to talk to you about the first ever health and wellbeing event for educators, Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload, and wellbeing in school. You'll hear from our incredible lineup of speakers, including Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Bolger, and many more. There'll be talks, workshops, and time to network with like-minded colleagues. We'll look after you all day with brunch, lunch, and all the refreshments. You'll get to meet our incredible speakers and our amazing team of ambassadors from the education space. It's a non-profit event with all proceeds going to the amazing education charity, EdSupport. This isn't one to miss. I look forward to seeing you there on the 22nd of October at Etc. Venues, St. Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Yeah. Uh, Sam, how do you teach writing? Um, I just want to echo what Kate said about this idea of focusing in on certain elements of writing that you want to improve um, and sort of repeating those over the year and really embedding those in. So I like to departmentally look at this whole idea of repeating what we've done before, reminding students and revising to bring it forward. I think sometimes we forget that when we're teaching students um, grammar, 
sentence types, all sorts of different things that might be new for them. On top of all the content they're learning, they're actually with actually feeding them quite a bit that they need to be able to remember and to use. So I'm particularly because I've got students, a number of EAL students in our school. Um, what we tend to do departmentally is look at across the exercise books and across um, initial assessment pieces at the beginning of the year, especially with the year seven. What are students able to do and what are they not? What do we need to focus on particularly? And then repeat, remind and revise. I often give students little tasks where when we've worked on grammar or parts of aspects of writing, at the beginning of the lesson, I ask them to go back and they have certain revision questions and they have to bring them forward to the beginning of the next lesson or a future lesson to discuss and reuse them. Um, so I think it's being very selective over what you want them to be performing well and what you want them to be able to use or do well in writing and work on that often before, I think it was like Kate said, moving on to the next part. And I also think it's having high expectations because a number of students learning English, for example, they actually learn through exposure. So actually just yeah. listening and reading and writing, children build up vocabulary and the ability to write. And I sometimes feel that even native English speakers, I think some teachers possibly may underestimate just what sheer exposure can do with good exemplar. Um, so what we yeah. tend to, what I like to do from a, from a bigger standpoint or from a, a bigger picture, I suppose, is I suppose English naturally lends itself to having writing lessons where we can focus on it. But also when we're looking at reading lessons, we try and incorporate mini writing tasks in, sort of quick writing tasks. Yeah. I think that's championed over in America, but we actually have quick writing lessons. And the focus of that is, is to have something for students to actually write for two or three minutes using as, as a prompt or as inspiration, either taking a word or a sentence or an image within a text and just going with it and writing from it and creating their own. Um, so incorporating that within other lessons as well as having standalone writing lessons. Um, I have scientists in the family and when I've talked about literacy with them and developing writing in science, for example, I said narrow down um, what you're looking to improve scientifically, which is using scientific vocabulary, um, writing in sequence correctly, um, sort of clearly and coherently paragraphing your work potentially in the extended answers. Um, and then I said, you find that good exemplar or there's sort of inspiration pieces for students to use in lesson and ask them to examine it and emulate it. Because I think somebody, I've read somewhere before, I don't know who to credit it to, but you can read without being a writer, but you can't write without being a reader. So actually yeah. what you give students in those content-driven subjects like history, geography, science, you know, how much example are you giving them? Are you allowing students time to properly look at them and compare them, compare them, put them next to one another, look at them and, and figure out their differences and actually really be able to use those to help inspire them to do their own writing in that subject? You know, I mean, that's brilliant what you said there. You know, I asked you, how do you do you teach writing? If I was to ask you, how do you not teach writing? Is there anything that you've done yourself where you think, oh, I wouldn't do that again? Um, I think there are times when in the past I've overfocused on grammatical structure. I think teaching A-level, I think some staff and I've got a bit excited at overteaching terminology now admittedly I'm in Wales we don't have the sort of the grammar tests and sats that they do in England so I've got a yeah. sort of a viewpoint on how to approach that type of thing I suppose um with regards to targets and stuff um but I think there have been times where I've overtaught grammar structures and technique from an early age and I think sometimes it's allowing children the ability to just write and um 
and to feel confident. I think a lot of learners, particularly in year seven, year eight, lack confidence and lack independence with writing. Sometimes you can overstructure it. And I think the difficulty with teaching writing is getting that balance between teaching them technique, teaching them grammar, showing them structure and organisation, modelling and giving exemplar, but also allowing them freedom um, and the ability and the sort of the giving them the awareness that they're not everything is not rigid in life with writing and allowing them some freedom to write in any subject because I often find particularly at GCSE for example students tend to write to um, answer an exam and I'm guilty of that for GCSE literature for example you know there are ways of, of, of writing a good essay but then you know some students before you get to that that place and before you actually start teaching them that need to have some more confidence in writing and they're being um and what they write and how the write is valid as well um we, we're a raddy school and in our quick writing lessons where we just ask students to write with very limited in, um, input we just give them some a stimulus or um we have discussions yeah. based on something we've given them that actually the feedback has been oh um you know i've I, I don't know very much, but Miss really liked what I wrote. And no matter what I've done, um, I can still write about it. I think sometimes we we don't always value that sometimes students lack confidence because they lack cultural capital and life experience. And sometimes that does affect their confidence yeah. writing as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, some people probably have it in their heads that they can't write, don't they? I mean, kids have it in their heads, I can't do this. And maybe that quick writing activity gives them an opportunity to do something and be proud of it just off the bat so i, I quite like that um from again from a non-subject especially I, mean, I don't have a clue what's what's going on but i, I do i like the sound of it um elaine uh, i don't know whether you want to touch on that if not i'll go to kate but any anything in terms of how, how anything you would not do to teach writing or you've maybe done in the past that you think oh, i wouldn't do that again uh, oh god yeah probably loads of things um i think um i think one of the things i'm kind of getting more interested in at the moment is planning because i think i'm not very good at that and i think i've definitely done that kind of right you've got five minutes to plan and that's it that's it <laughs> i've just left it there and i think now that's and then i wonder why they can't sort of take that next step into writing and i think preparing to plan i think it's again it's like breaking things down um, and recognising um, where students lack experience and where it, things that seem really obvious to me where they lack experience and um, knowledge and, and kind of like moving backwards and, and breaking things down so that they can actually achieve, feel successful as opposed to me giving them an in instruction and then feeling like a failure. So I'd say planning is something I'm sort of really interested in um now as a kind of next step when can you expand on that a bit what you mean by that in terms of plan what do you mean by planning planning to write is that what you mean? yeah so i kind of think like there's so many steps um when we say okay we're going to write i think for students we just sometimes underestimate how enormous that instruction is and how many tiny tiny things that they need to have in place in order to you know you meant you said a minute ago sometimes students have in their head they can't write um i just don't think that's true actually i don't think it's that they can't write i think they just lack experience and they lack kind of practice in the very specific kind of academic writing we want them to do in school and so there's no point me teaching them all these kind of fancy pants sentence stems and 
sort of without giving them something to back that up, underpinning it with a framework of ideas. And so when I'm talking about planning, I mean the idea of how do I prepare them to plan? What ideas, what opportunities are there for talk, maybe, for kind of pulling in ideas, for note-taking, for them to sort of gather their thoughts in order to turn that into something that um, substantial that they can then move forward into a kind of piece of writing. Does that make sense? It does. It absolutely yeah. does. Yeah, perfect. Spot on. Mm. Um, Kate, is there anything on that same question that you would say if we said what are the things that you've done in the past that you wouldn't do again or how would you not teach writing i mean i think i've made every mistake in the book um and actually to kind of just riff off what um what sam and elaine were saying i think um sam's point about like you know breaking a sentence down into its components labeling word classes nouns subject object you know, sometimes i don't even know what these things are um it just completely yeah. obliterates like the meaning of the sentence and and actually people can get by and become beautiful writers without knowing any of that um so i think there are things that are very very important for students to know such as which of these two clauses doesn't make sense as a sentence on its own that's the subordinating clause don't leave it hanging that would be a fragment and that wouldn't make sense this half of the sentence does make sense it's the main clause it doesn't have the conjunction and you know there are things that i think are important but um absolutely 100 percent echo what, what, what she said about um kind of breaking sentences down beyond meaning um and then actually what elaine was saying as well about like if pupils lack kind of experience and practice of writing academic sentences and I think one way of doing that and I, I've, I've definitely done this many times in my career is I've created a really big grid of great um you know words to use like um I don't know um and words for emphasis or words for um time and sequence like transitional phrases to go at the start of your sentences and I've laminated them and I've sellotaped them to every desk in the classroom and I've just said to the kids yeah, go for it. You've got your writing frames, your writing mats on your tables. Off you go. And you know, they might begin in earnest, sort of looking at looking at those words. But if you don't actually force their hands to practice using a smaller suite of those types of words, it's just going to drop off and they're not going to use them or they're going to end up using them inaccurately and entrench um, misconceptions about how to use those words. So, yeah, no, sorry, echoing what your two speakers no, have said. Yeah, no, perfect, perfect. Um, I was going to ask you next, I'm obviously going to ask everyone this, but I'll ask you first, Kate. Um, what tools and resources do you use to teach writing? I mean, do you use any scaffolds, any any specific resources, any, you know, what works best for you? What are the things where you go, this is a brilliant resource, this is a brilliant tool, I use it all the time, it works wonders? Oh, that's a really good question. Um... For me, it's it's there's nothing that stands out. Nothing groundbreaking. I, I really I'm a very big fan of a sentence builder. So um and like if any computer scientists are listening, I really apologise, but I call them flowcharts in my classes, and they're definitely not flowcharts in the stricter sense. But essentially, you know, here's a selection of words in the first box arrow going to the next box. Maybe that's where your idea goes. Arrow to the next box, and there's you know, another selection of words. And I think particularly a key stage three or uh, maybe with kind of low prior and key stage four, um, having these 
kind of visuals these sentence builders does really help them particularly with things like the not only but also sentences so i do i do a lot of that um but really what would they look like what would those things look like in practical sense would they just be overlays that the that the students would use i mean what would they be yeah so it would be like um on a handout a kind of card piece of card probably um treasury tagged at the front of their book so they can always turn back to it um and they would use that sentence builder time and time again we do lots and lots of like deliberate mass practice using that one sentence builder um with lots of probably different quotations right give me your not only but also um idea your sentence about this particular quote or give them another quote they write another one so for me it's um, the resources are very simple yeah they're very simple yeah that's interesting elaine i mean would you echo that when it comes to kind of tools and resources that you use is there anything for you that stands out that you use a lot um in terms of in the classroom i think katie's point about um sort of laminated maps and big grids i've I've definitely done that you know there's like a hundred words for kids to pick and then it's just baffling um so i've interestingly with um the kind of writing stuff we've been doing i know sort of like shared my um sort of slides with everyone but what we haven't done at at all at the moment is is actually created a resource for students with that um we've tried to do it um although i think we're going to but we haven't up to this point and we've actually tried to do it more organically um and just using kind of modeling and the visualizer uh, um to kind of sort of let staff have that opportunity to introduce it when they think it's right as opposed to kind of dumping oh here's all the new things we're doing let's crack on um so we haven't sort of formally given students uh mats or grids with any of that on because the other thing that i've noticed that happens is when you give students that they suddenly think that they've got this schedule that they have to work through or, or they suddenly think that it's like a hierarchy, um, yeah. maybe because of the way. And then suddenly you've got, well, I've, I've, you know, I've put my sense perhaps in and now my next sentence has got to do this. And I don't want them yeah. to do it like that. It, and, it gives them more, a more rigid thing mm, of saying you have to do this mechanical. Mm, becomes yeah, mechanical. I've, yeah. So I've really, we've tried to avoid that. So we haven't um, kind of given them, any resources i mean every text though is an opportunity to kind of like um uh as sam was saying like emulate something or steal or copy you know and um every text is an opportunity to sort of demonstrate um the kind of writing that you want and they can start to see those patterns um other resources sorry go on no go on yeah um i do just want to say um something though about um sort of like the like the teaching of writing as well I was thinking about this and I was listening to other people talk it's we're not just for me anyway and I'll try to sort of communicate this it's not just about teaching the sentence stems and I was really aware of that when Katie was talking and she was talking about how sentences allow students to contrast things or balance things or evaluate things it's I really really try and communicate to students that what we're teaching is the ability to organize your thought that that when we're kind of teaching them writing that we're actually teaching them ways of thinking um and thinking about two things at once or thinking about how to contrast things and so um as opposed to just a kind of list of of features oh i've got to include this in my writing because that's what my teacher says writing looks like it's it's trying to make them 
better thinkers, I suppose. Got you. Yeah, yeah. spot on. Um, Sam, I don't know whether you want to add in on that, tools and resources, or are you just kind of echoing what Elaine and Kate have said? I really love what Elaine just said there about teaching thinking. I think that's really lovely. Um, and yeah. And just how we communicate it on the page, I think, is fantastic. Yeah, we don't. I think I have in the past, similar to the pair of them, had those mats that go out or the displays um, or the departmental mandatory, you know, um, sheet of connectives or whatever we were using. Um, but I think, you know, apart from there are some great books out there. I don't know if anybody's heard of Alex Quigley, but his, some of his uh, writing is fantastic on closing the reading, writing vocabulary gap books. Fantastic looking for somewhere to start so we look yeah. at departmentally but in terms of giving things to students I might give them you know if we're doing an exposition essay for example um which which is an opinion essay and you're looking to to, to use connectors or discourse markers for certain things I might ask students to pick from um, a list which they believe might be more useful for them within that piece of writing so the decision making before they use them and ask them to identify them in a piece of writing um but otherwise um, yeah, it's trying to, I think like Elaine said, you're trying to get them to structure their thought and, and communicate it rather than, like she said, have a, a tick box of this is how we do writing. This is what an essay must look like, because otherwise they struggle to articulate or write down their ideas clearly because it doesn't fit into the box their teacher has given them. So yeah. I think when I first started teaching, writing was very much like that. But I think we've been moving away from that recently. Um, into getting students to be a little bit more flexible and adaptable and actually think about what they're doing first and the purpose of their writing. Spot on. Kate, I was going to ask you, actually, it kind of leads nicely in from that, is how? what about those who've got, like, really low reading ages, you know, and really kind of, like, a low starting point when it comes to writing? I mean, how? what do you do with those students? Do you use do you use different methods, the same methods? How do you go about that? Need to unmute. There you go. <laughs> God, I'll get the hang of it eventually. Um, so actually, no, we we have the same expectations uh, of yeah. all of our classes. Um, and actually, I think kind of I'd, I'd like to sort of really agree with what what Sam and Elaine are saying about um we really are all kind of stepping away from like really, really rigid like structures for how paragraphs or essays should look. But if a pupil's brain, you know, they've got ready to access in their brains already, like, oh, this is how I start a sentence that's bringing um, two opposing ideas together. And this is how I write a sentence that's actually just listing some complementary, like consecutive ideas. Um, I think we're doing them like such an enormous favour um, by having all of these sentence structures ready to go after having done like deliberate mass practice of them time and time and time again. And I think really for the, the kids with low reading ages or the ones that have um, perhaps been low prior retainers in the past, um, this is this is perfect for them. Um, so no, we definitely don't do anything different. I think I think obviously like conveying um how a sentence might end up being a fragment can can take longer you know that yeah. get a student to understand that um but you know we've seen real success with 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 students who um haven't achieved particularly highly in the past yeah. with these sentence selectivities what is the key with those students who haven't achieved highly in the past i mean when it comes to writing what what is the formula i mean I'll ask you all that. I mean, is it is it repetition? Is it 
uh, extra support? Is it what, what is it that makes the difference for them, for the ones who've got that historic um, challenge with it? Um, I think uh, I'd echo that idea. You've got to have ambition for all. But I think that's where it comes down to sort of responsive teaching, teaching the students you've got in front of you um, and just sort of negotiating what they need and when. Um, So um, I I can give you an example of a a class I had last year and um, with just uh, low reading ages, um, weak literacy, but also just this sort of pathological fear of writing and I, and it is about what you prioritize I think with certain groups of students and they just needed to feel some success yes and, so, um, and I would do this with you know every class I, I write a lot with every class I always write and I get them to write but with them it was just getting them to write and it was uh, you know before it was about content and it was about putting pen to paper and giving them success and um for a long time, I just wanted to build that habit of, do you know what? Every lesson, we're just going to be quiet and write for 15 minutes. And that's what we do. Um, and then you start tweaking things. Then you start um, going back to those things you know work and, and having that ambition. But again, I just think, yeah, it is just about being responsive and, and to some extent personalising to the students that you've got in front of you. And, yeah, we, you know, we, we do that well, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, no, that that really kind of answers the question, really. Um, Sam, what about you? Anything that you do for kind of uh, children who've struggled with writing, or or they've got you know particularly low reading ages and all that stuff? Is there anything that you do there particularly? Well, our year seven cohort, their average reading age when they come to us is actually eight years old. The number of our students arriving to us have a low reading age. Um, so we're doing some whole school reading um, initiatives to try and improve that because I think a number of our students particularly have such a poor range of vocabulary um, or working vocabulary. Um, and I think sometimes they struggle to try and express what they really mean. I yeah. think sometimes that's a bit of a barrier for students for writing, whether we're writing creatively or you're writing academically it's being able to actually say what you want to say or at least having an understanding of way of expressing yourself and and having um, and just and, and just knowing um how to write which words to use and, and when to use them um so we do a lot of work on not just reading so we have reading every lesson and we have we actually we are an accelerated reader school yeah uh, we're big on that um but we actually do lots of vocabulary teaching there's lots on um, Twitter um, and lots that you'll find in uh, writing books about different ways of approaching vocabulary, uh, whether it's through teaching like root words, prefixes, suffixes and breaking it right down. I'd rather not. I don't do that with our students really much um, on, from a gen- on a general point of view across the department. But I think it's exploring words. I think sometimes we expect students to know how to express themselves and they can't. And sometimes just just considering words and coming up with I hate to say word lists, but I like to just explode words out. What do we know about? Give them a word that the the subject is on. Synonyms, antonyms, and really just explode as much as you can. Um, Repeat words, bring them forward from previous lessons. I always like students to highlight keywords that we've we've looked up, that they've used well, um, that we've looked uh, within context of other sentences. We maybe used two or three months ago, we brought them forward again, highlighted them again. When students speak them, 
in in the lesson I say say it for me um to try and get them using it in the vocabulary itself when they're talking to each other whether you have a lesson on the most ridiculous words in your in your subject or the best most incredible words I love doing incredible word lessons and looking at um at words in literature I think fantastic and just really do you call them, do you call them incredible word lessons I like yeah, that. I, just, I, just, I mean, it's I love poetry, so there's always something. There's always incredible vocabulary in something that we're doing. Um, we've also got ridiculous words, um, but I just think it's it's teaching words. Maybe not on a, try and make it interesting. Enjoy teaching vocabulary yourself. Be excited in the fact there is fantastic language um, that, that students can explore and that they can use, and just keep using it all the time. Getting when students highlight it in their work, say. Fantastic! You've excellent. You've got those there and recognise it and celebrate it. Get them speaking those words. So I think for our for our students with low reading ages, it is that regular reading, making progression um, as you can over time regularly, and, and showing how that is important. But also having that work on vocabulary is a big deal for us. Um, and working on those marginal gains, I think we're always trying to fix writing, and everybody's. I remember I had students who joined me in year 10 and they were very weak writers, but, you know, orally they were fantastic. And I thought, well, how am I going to fix this? I haven't got enough time for the exam to sort out and, and improve their academic writing um, and, and, and their grammatical accuracy so it's coherent. But actually, it's those marginal gains are small little things. So within your topic, if whatever you're doing, is there a particular word or a particular way of writing um i think as kate was saying earlier in psychology when she's teaching um the different types of sentence starting things that she's using that you can do to just make marginal gains slowly over time rather than just trying to have a magic wand and fix it in six months and it's those small little things all the time on, on top of reading and vocabulary that makes a, a big difference for us because kind of the theme that i've picked up on on what on what you particularly have said sam but also everyone else is like confidence mm. and getting kids to feel confident in writing um i wondered i'll go to kate again kate in terms of like creativity how do you balance like creative be allowing kids to kind of just write if you like and, and kind of be creative with making sure that they're doing the right things if that makes sense i mean is that is that a rubbish question or is that a relevant question <laughs> No, not, not a rubbish question at all. I think that um, without these sort of things that we've taught them for their like writing toolkits, they, they they can't be that creative. So, you know, we're not prescribing any sort of scaffolds or structures for how the paragraph or the whatever the piece of writing is, um, yeah. the kind of journey it needs to go on. But um, teaching them, giving, equipping them with like the means to as Elaine said, like express the relationship between ideas or uh, compare, contrast, whatever it is you're doing. Um, I think you are like freeing them to then be incredibly creative. Um, and I just really want to echo what Sam said about like practice, practice, practice a little and often. And the way that you, you win, you know, that, you, that you have success with this is by doing it every lesson, whether it's at the starter, it's your, all of your, your kind of comprehension questions are couched in, you know, you've got to answer in this, in this way. Um, it really just helps that, um, you know, get things into, into the long-term memory, speaking as a psychology teacher now. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, Elaine, I don't know whether you want to kind of add in anything on this in terms of, um, I mean, I mean, it kind of brings on to my next question as well. It ties in with that, which is what are the challenges of teaching 
writing. And also a question from Jeff, who has come up with a really good question, which is, what was your experience of being taught to write at school? And, you know, how was that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. I just deal. Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, I just deal with the idea of the sort of like of creativity, and I think yeah, you know, I think we all want. Like I talk a lot in the classroom. I just say I just want you to write beautifully, um, and that isn't about kind of jumping through AOs or you know it kind of is at the end of the day. But I think if we take our sight, sort of stop looking at that kind of that mark on a, a piece of work or even expecting every piece of work to be marked. I just say, I just want you to write beautifully. I, like Sam was talking about how, how gorgeous words are and how they can be sort of manipulated and explored. And those things are where I think joy is in writing. Um, and I also think as well about Katie was saying about, um, you know, knowing the rules is liberating. You have to know the rules to break the rules. And even if you're someone who says, yeah, well, I was never taught grammar. But I still think you know those, you know, if you, if you can write, then that knowledge is intuitive if, and implicit. Um, so it is liberating and it is creative to, to understand how words work on the page and to be able to use them yeah. successfully. Um, what was my experience? Of, so I'm, um, I've been teaching quite a long time. And um, I was never taught. Um, so I went to school in, um, well, the 70s. And um, <laughs> that, you don't have to say it like I really that. I hate that like... sentence. Like, you don't know. I really hate that sentence. <laughs> but um, yeah, no grammar um, uh, at, at all. It just wasn't um, sort no. of to teach at all. It was completely off. Um, so I went through school with no teaching of grammar whatsoever. And a, a, I also went to um, uh, not a great secondary school, really, where, um, I, yeah, it, it just I don't remember ever being taught much in the way of writing. And on my PGCE, again, um, nothing. I, the only thing I would say in relation to writing is I was kind of taught how to mark it. I was never really taught yeah. to do it. Well, that's what I was getting at earlier. You mm. know, when I, when I very first started this show, I said about how, for me, I was exactly the same as you. I, I don't remember. I remember maybe some bits and pieces in year seven. Um, but beyond that, I certainly don't remember much later on uh, in terms of, how to write, and then same PGCE, nothing. Else. I mean, granted, I was doing history, wasn't I? So maybe, maybe that's why. But um, but yeah, but I don't I don't remember much. Um, uh, Kate, what about you at school? Did you? What was your experience of being taught writing, and what was the results? I'm guessing yeah. you were fantastic. I've I've got absolutely no memory of ever being taught um, how to write. Thanks, thanks. But does Tom. that mean? Does that? <laughs> <laughs> but does that mean? Anna Lane, does that mean then that because you have almost, well, you've become English teacher, I mean, you've become head of English, you must be able to write. So therefore, does that mean that by just giving you opportunities to write? I mean, I remember when I was at school, I had loads of opportunities to write and I did have teachers who marked the writing and, you know, gave me tips on the writing. I don't remember being taught much really explicitly but anyway 
do you think then that that is an argument for what I said before about just kind of giving if if students are just given the the, the opportunity to write, then eventually things turn out fine? <laughs> no, I, don't, I I disagree. Actually, yeah. I think like I was just I just love books, and I was just really yeah. hungry to be a good writer. But we have to kind of create that hunger in our students. Um, and I really do think it's a fallacy that like you just become a good writer yeah. by reading lots and for for a lucky few, yeah, it does happen. Yeah. But it's just not it's just not um not the case. Um certainly not uh, in my experience. So what was your experience then of being taught? Like you said you weren't taught it much. No, I just I, I can't remember ever. I can't re- I remember like an A level teacher sort of saying it was it was a bit too wordy. <laughs> but um that is years of schooling and that's when you got out of it. <laughs> no. really. And then I yeah, I got to uni and I felt totally out of my depth. I d I don't think I really knew how to write academically and concisely. And I was just kind of, you know, full of florid vocabulary and it was awful. So it took me till I was like 19 to really le- I think learn wow. properly. Yeah. And Sam, what about you on this? So I remember doing a lot of comprehension, poetry. Yeah. And Shakespeare, um, but definitely <laughs> explicit with writing. I knew what an adjective was, but yeah, uh, when I got yeah. to A level, I was a bit embarrassed that I didn't really know much else. Yeah, uh, but no. I, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you all this actually about primary into secondary. I mean, do you think there should be much more? I mean, do you have any links in your schools in terms of like the feeder schools and what? they're doing with writing and what you're doing and do you think there needs to be more work in that area um we'll start with elaine elaine yeah 100 percent um i think it's really um i think it's really important to capitalize on on what primary schools do and the important recognize the importance of that and i think that transition moment between year six and year seven can actually be um quite fraught for in terms of writing um because i don't again i I don't want to sort of generalize but i think they've had they're transitioning into a different kind of writing in year seven aren't they with um we're expecting that you know what we call academic writing or analytical writing or essay writing and um there's um a perception that it's just incredibly different from the kinds of writing that they've done I don't necessarily think it is, actually. I think there's all yeah. kinds of parallels with all writers do actually a very narrow suite of similar things, I think. And I think we could definitely, I know I could, capitalise more on the skills that students bring. I remember seeing something on Twitter recently about somebody said to kind of get students to bring in their year six English books and have a look. And I thought, what a fabulous idea. Yeah, um, definitely. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think all subjects can do it. I mean, the, the difficulty, I guess, is sometimes it's, it's time as a teacher or, uh, you know, head of department to to find ways of, of really getting to grips with what they've each done in primary. Because it can be so markedly different, can't it, I suppose, from school to school and so on. Um, uh, before we move on, I've got lots more questions. Before we move on, um, a good opportunity for me to give a shout out on the pinned uh, tweets at the top of this space if you're listening live there's one that says um, uh, about a special event we've got next month between with a slack group and teachers talk radio and i'll get this it is free you get a free lunch included 
It's at the beautiful Manchester Art Gallery. There is also a hybrid ticket, which you can also sign up for for free to watch the whole thing for free online. Um, But obviously what we want to do is encourage people to come along to kind of network face to face. So it's actually pinned as a tweet on the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter account as well. Um, And there's a link to the tickets there. It's going to be a brilliant event it's next month um it's on the 15th of october which is a saturday and it starts at 10 o'clock in the morning in manchester or online uh, manchester art gallery or online really recommend everyone right now grab a ticket quick uh, there are limited spaces it's completely free lunch included and speaker announcements coming first couple of speaker announcements coming this week there are three strands uh, one of them is teacher hacks So things we can do to improve uh, what we're doing in the classroom. We've got one on career development, which I think will be really, really interesting in terms of uh, how do you, I guess, progress within your career, but also like different options for career progression that aren't just the straight jacket of, you know, I don't know, teacher, head of department and moving up that way. You know, what what other opportunities are there out there? So that's going to be interesting. Um, We've got various speakers within each strand um uh, we've got a a strand on send as well um so we've got um speakers on on various different elements that i'm sure are going to be incredibly useful for for practitioners in in all subjects so check that out um anyway back to my questions uh i can't remember who the last person that spoke was who was the last person i was speaking to just then i don't know i'll just make it up as i go along um sam i'll come to you next uh what advice would you give to a new teacher who's teaching writing for the first time? I would, first of all, speak to your team, speak to head of department, speak to the people in the school that you're joining or the department that you're in to talk to, ask about how the department is actually delivering teaching of writing, um, but also to find out what might be the issue with writing um, in the department. So something you can focus on immediately when you come straight in. What I tend to tell NQTs and ECTs is to actually work backwards from what they're trying, what they're asking students to produce. I think often we tend to work forwards with our planning when often we need to be working backwards, not just from a deadline point of view, but thinking about what we want students to, what their finished project will be and how we want them to get there. And thinking about structuring linguistically what we want them to include and teach these. Um, And... I would just say using exemplar. I really like putting examples next to one another so students can compare them um, and you can change those depending on the ability of students or what you're teaching them. Um, And also try and if you're doing it, depends on what you're teaching. But if you're going to do anything grammatical, try and make it fun. So I teach Donald Trump and commas just because it's funny Um, or or something of of that ilk if you can fit it in, depending on what you're teaching the curriculum. Um, But, yeah, work backwards. Think really carefully about just this, the key, the main key things structurally and linguistically you actually want them to include and try and be passionate about it and make it fun when you can and just keep revisiting. But I would definitely speak to your department head and ask what a good angle would, would be for the students within their school setting. Brilliant. Uh, Kate, anything on that in terms of advice for teachers teaching writing for the first time? <laughs> For PE teachers in particular, um, 
Uh, well, I think for any new teacher, um, I think it's really important to remind them that like what you're doing isn't patronising. I think people come, you know, fresh out of uni into a teaching career and they they think suddenly teaching, writing at kind of such, what seems like such a basic level is patronising, but it's not. It's actually obviously so empowering for your kids um, if they're learning how to construct these amazing sentences. And secondly, um, similar to what Sam said, like it's all about modelling. It's all about modelling. It's all about really 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 clear instructional sequences this is how this sentence works let's break it apart where did I get the ideas from how am I arranging them in the sentence where are the commas going if there are which obviously in many com complex sentences there will be um, here's how not to do it so non-examples are so so important um, it's devoting that like you know really really sweating the small stuff spending lots of time on it at the start to then reap the rewards later yeah love that uh, Elaine um, yeah, Katie, um, I mean, I would agree with both uh, with what Sam and Katie said, but Katie mentioned at the beginning about subject content. And I think um, that would be where I'd start is know your subject really, really well. Know yeah. what content you want them to attach to any writing that you're trying to teach. And that might we've talked about like the vocab and pre-teaching vocab. So try and rather than sort of asking questions to kind of get those responses it's just give them the, the what they need to respond and to articulate ideas so uh, i would say subject content has got to be kind of front and center um because that's everything and that's what you're using to manipulate the sentence stems um plan backwards 100 percent um you know what's the goal of what we're doing with the writing um and uh, know your students probably because again i think um you whilst some things are uh you know always going to be consistent lots shifts in a classroom all the time um and it's about knowing what they need and when yeah yeah mm -hmm. i mean elaine i was going to ask you i'll ask everyone this but i like in history for example when i mm. taught it i have my like favorite lessons if you see what i mean i'd have my lessons where i know it's going to go really well and i know the students are going to get a lot out of it and i know they can be successful with it i mean is there such thing with writing as like not a perfect writing lesson but is there a lesson that you kind of look at and think oh i'm really looking forward to this these this series of lessons or this particular lesson when it comes to teaching writing is there anything where you think that as an english teacher well yeah we have we sort of, we've, we talked about academic writing but i mentioned a minute ago i think there's lots of kind of parallels between what we might call transactional or essay writing and creative writing and it is nice um for me i quite like it when i'm teaching creative writing and you can show students how to port stuff across and um suddenly they realize they've got lots of skills and that they're not just trying to pluck things out of um thin air but i do like teaching creative writing actually um and yeah. just sort of that moment, you know, where you've kind of played around with a word or an image or you've looked at a text and you're thinking, right, look at what this writer is doing in these kind of three or four sentences, right? We're going to emulate that and we're going to, to magpie or steal that. Um, that's really nice, actually, because then students always surprise you. And that's yeah. a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Kate, anything for you? And so I suppose my question is really what 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 do, are the lessons that you look forward to teaching when it comes to teaching writing the most other things like 
is it the same as Elaine or something different? I think for me, uh, I just love like your first feedback lesson when when the students have started applying the stuff that you've taught them and you can really kind of, you know, flood them with examples from the from the class, celebrate some amazing successes, make the kids feel like they're absolute geniuses for writing these these sentences, which I think all ties in with, with what Sam was saying about confidence. Um, and then, yeah, having really kind of academic conversations about about um, an analytical paragraph that someone in your class has written. It's not even come from me. That for me is a real highlight. Yeah, brilliant. I love that. Um, I mean, uh, I've asked you a little bit about the kind of challenges, but I thought we could maybe open that up again a, a little bit more in terms of the challenges of teaching writing. I mean, what are the bits where you get re really frustrated about as a teacher? What are the ones where you've got your heads in your hands and you're going, oh, God, I just can't. Like, this isn't working. I can't do this. Like, what, what are the challenges? What are the things that drive you bonkers? Anyone can start with that. Anyone want to start? Gosh. Um, can I must have it easy. There must be nothing that drives them bonkers. That has to be. Um, <laughs> Tom, can I just, um, so I actually wanted to sort of address this um, a couple of minutes ago when you were talking about, um, just before you asked the question about kind of primary to secondary um, yeah. sort of transition, I just wanted to say that a massive challenge, when you were asking us about like our experience of writing, a huge, huge challenge for me this year has been like increasing the teacher's confidence um and the kind of the yeah. fear on their faces in my training session where I was teaching them about kind of the building blocks of sentences and you know I was trying to model how I would teach it to the children so I was doing lots of cold calling and lots of like stretching lots of like no update all the sort of you know the bread and butter of, of kind of teaching that I wanted to model to them in terms of questioning and checking for understanding and some of the, you know, visibly shaking in the room, who were just like, gosh, just if she asks me again which one the subordinating clause is, I'm, I'm going to die. Um, and it's it's taken a really long time to kind of um, just like bring up everyone's confidence. And I include myself in that. Um, oh, I'll be honest, Kate, like if I was in one of your sessions, I'd probably hate you because I'd be like, I, I, I wouldn't want you to ask me a question because I'd be embarrassed. By not knowing the answer do you know what i mean like yeah, totally I, I think it's like a teacher one of one of the one of the for me it's like one of my biggest i guess one of your biggest fears especially in 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 certain school cultures not yours by the way i just mean in, in any any school culture i think one of the biggest fears is being shown up as a teacher in front of your colleagues and i think with things like this like you said yourself you'd never been taught it so how do you get in a position where you're now confident enough to teach other teachers this stuff did you just teach yourself it how yeah. did you get that confidence i spent like the second half of my uh, maternity leave just googling yeah. like subordinating conjunctions like honestly and then i came back feeling like okay i've got i've got enough now to be able to um get the kids to a really good place but I'm by no means an expert and I was also well aware there were people in the room who were much better than me uh, and people did like ask me really challenging questions and pick holes in what I was saying which I was quite grateful for to be honest because I think it's important that um people could see that you know I'm absolutely not I was not the kind of be all and end all like grammar guru um in front of them so yeah it was about kind of you know sort of 
being really kind of humorous about it, um, yeah. accepting yeah. that no one's perfect and uh, we're all in it together. I mean, do, do you, like, how do you get, yeah, so that's how you get teachers to open up about maybe not knowing this stuff. Like, because that's a, that's a sensitive subject, isn't it? To, yeah. Like, and it's, not, and it's not necessarily their fault either, because they could literally go through, through their whole teacher training and still not know certain things that you're talking about now. Oh yes, would... definitely. Just to clarify, though, like I didn't just spring all these questions no, on. No, them. I, know, okay. I taught them a lesson first. I know. Um, I know. But yeah, I it's know. like it's really exposing, and it puts teachers in a really vulnerable position. But I guess they have to sort of break through that. And we did a lot of work on this, so I really did feel like their confidence was was boosted. And then, you know, it's quite amazing to then go and see a teacher who was trembling in their boots in my training session then go and deliver a, a cracking lesson on on how a complex sentence is put together so we, we yeah it's come good in the end. i think once teachers know something they'll embrace it and they're, they're, they're happy with it but i think it's just you know i'll ask elaine actually because i know you're a head of department you're all heads of department i think so elaine what if you've got a teacher in your like department who you know you probably know deep down they haven't they don't have that grasp of grammatical mm. concepts and the certain things that that you know that they should know um but it's not necessarily their fault that they don't how do you approach that how do you approach that without creating a difficult situation with that teacher or making them feel bad or like how do you do, 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 do like can you make humor out of it like what do you do uh, definitely that. Um, definitely it's got to be kind of lighthearted and non-threatening. Um, and I think I sort of really framed it as we're all learning together. Um, and um, it's not me as an expert teaching you who needs to know something. I just think that's n- never going to get very far with that. And and there were occasions where people asked me questions and I was just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I just think, just as you would do in a class, you can just say, well, I'm not sure. Um, there was the U-turn conjunctions was actually a funny one because it actually gave rise to quite a, we had a sort of split where some people said, well, I don't really, I don't think that that does signal a U-turn. And you've just got to manage those conversations and make people feel um, that they're, you know, and, and know that their opinions really do matter. Um I think um, also, um, I think, yeah, humour is just is just super important. And the other thing I think as well that was really useful for us is we took things super slow. Um, I mean, I was literally yeah. doing um, something. It was kind of like every two weeks um, that I introduced a new, new one. Um, and um, I did that as well because what it enabled me to do was to give people a chance to kind of collect examples and non-examples and I didn't want to make the assumption that everybody could just go away and do it next lesson that might not have been appropriate um so I I just did I kind of made it every two weeks and then when we came back to it we were all able to sort of at least have something to talk about and or bring in you know an example and as people got more confident they would start bringing in examples and that was just fantastic but it's interesting, isn't it, how the question of what's the most challenging thing about teaching writing, one of the things that's come up is, you know, and this is completely um, intended from a respectful lens, is teaching the teachers, you know, is something that's that's kind of come up. I mean, do you, 
see that now or in the future as like part of a head of English's job description. Yeah, uh, what teaching the whole school teaching the to, teachers to write. Yeah, yeah. including I mean, the so, teachers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Katie's probably better sort of positioned to answer that. But yeah, I guess as a sister, my, yeah. My school want me to sort of scale it up, and I'm already thinking like, where do I start? And I, I do want to spend about half a term just talking with heads of department, doing something very similar to what I did with the questionnaire at the beginning, and not making any kind of assumptions and I've read some really interesting history blogs as well about how some of certainly the writing revolution stuff doesn't suit disciplinary thinking in history maybe and you know and I think it's just about being humble about listening to other people um and taking things slow really got you got you mm -hmm. I mean that was a, I hats off to you uh and Kate I know you're in a I think you're an assistant principal is that right I mean hats off to all heads of English because I, I mean do you think that it's too much responsibility for a head of English or you know to, to almost be not only teaching the students within the the teacher's classroom also the students within the English department who are being taught by other English teachers but also the children across the school who are being taught English and also the teachers teaching them that English. Do you think that the remit is too big for English teachers and heads of department in English? Um, Sorry, that's a very that... difficult question. I'm full of that. Can I just say, Tom, you used a great not only but also sentence. I don't even know if you realise that, but I was really happy to hear that. Building my confidence, Kate, and I'm feeling utterly confident about this. Go on, carry on. Um, so actually, I, sorry, just for kind of total transparency, I'm not head of English. Um, I am an English yeah. teacher, but I'm I'm an AP on the teaching and learning team at our school. So yeah. um, I was well placed to do it. And yeah, I, I actually think there's something to be said sometimes for it not being the head of English who does that. Yeah. Um, for all the reasons you've listed in your lovely, not only but also structure, um, but also... Um, <laughs> Because I think sometimes it's good to hear someone who um, is perhaps teaches a different discipline and um, but also is very interested in writing. Um, but then again, you do want the expertise and you do want and, and you do want to share that among your staff. So I think it's a really nuanced question. Um, it is. I mean, I suppose the crux of it is how do you make English so it's not just the responsibility of the English department? I think that's a more simple way. But how, how do you on a school level do that? To just tell people <laughs> no I think they have to realize by doing like you know early when you're doing sort of setting out your stall at the start of the year you're teaching a learning training stall people have to realize the power of writing beautifully um because absolutely you don't want it to just be like oh we've got to like we're all teachers of literacy you know everyone's heard that phrase for decades yeah. now yeah um, people have to do it and they have to like sit in a you know in a training session and and feel the magic of writing an incredible sentence and then imagine how a student would feel in their geography classroom doing the same um so yeah for me it's uh, that that's how to kind of really get to the heart of it yeah yeah um sam i'll ask you about this um i mean challenges of teaching writing i mean would you echo what uh what kate was saying and what elaine was saying about kind of other teachers and 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 kind of 
making sure they're okay with it and approaching their I don't know like if it was me I'd like I gave me as an example like just not knowing certain things yeah I think you can't expect all teachers to know everything and you know like we've said even within English you know there are teachers me included that don't know everything or are still learning um I think we, we always the school I work in we always work on the premise that all teachers are responsible for teach for, for reading and for writing um there are times when we've had at the beginning of uh, well during inset days professional learning days some some basic vocabulary or some basic grammar work that's been picked up in report writing um, or something that's been picked up in book looks and book scrutinies um there has been a time where we had a whole school timetable seen for every subject for the whole year for teaching different parts of grammar or vocabulary wow on a on a on a on a weekly basis the entire <laughs> year um that had its successes but also like you know as as we've mentioned it doesn't always fit in with what's happening in the lesson and it just kind of feels forced and it's not really working yeah yeah you know um because there's got to be like I think you mentioned content before like if there isn't like content there around it then the kids just get more disengaged like you know what I think it it sounds great in practice saying right we're going to have like just lessons that are on certain grammatical concepts you know what I mean like it's it sounds good but do you think there's an issue there with like the not being wrap around with it if that makes sense yeah and it, the, if the teacher's not interested and it's not working its way into the lesson naturally um then even the students can sense oh we're just doing this because we have to and you want them to be more engaged so it's got to come through the teacher first um, and there is that difficulty. I mean, I've seen online and we do the same in our school. We've got a you know, professional learning corner in the staff room where staff can come and take books. I think within the English department and even tonight in a department meeting, we were looking at uh, marking literature essays and how best to do that with examiners in our team. So we're looking for opportunities departmentally to improve different aspects of reading or writing um it's whether or not you ask departments to have that as a focus in one of their department meetings yeah at some point in the year it becomes a focus of a department meeting or or a professional learning day for all staff um but it it is it is difficult because you know other teachers have to focus on if you've ever a content rich subject for example and you're having to teach and deliver those facts and that content then obviously that's a priority so um you know staff have always got their eye and their focus and their time where they they need it most which is their subject area um so yeah I think it is difficult for heads of English to be the only person leading that I think literacy leads in the school are important and it's that little and often encouraging staff having that sort of feed maybe small um lessons for staff to learn to let it sink in um I think it was Elaine I don't know if it's Elaine okay talking about little things over time um and just letting them work their way in. But yeah, it is a bit of a big job. I don't know if anybody's ever got it quite right because it's always difficult, isn't it? And there are so many priorities throughout the year. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, spot on. I, in a moment, I'm going to ask you like a final thing, which will be one thing to remember when you're teaching writing. And uh, it's going to be like a two, three sentence thing from each of you. One thing to remember when you're teaching writing. But before I do that, in about five minutes time isn't that another one of those like weird sentence structure things i've just done kate will tell me in a minute but before that um we've got another show coming up at nine o'clock um with with haddie 
So if you want to listen to that, 9 p.m., it starts in five minutes' time. You can listen to it by just clicking Listen Live on the Teacher Talk Radio homepage. Um, you can listen on desktop or on mobile to that. Um, and, yeah, we've got lots and lots of shows coming up this week, actually. We've got one of these Twitter space shows coming up every evening this week, Monday to Thursday at 7.30. Uh, Lucy's on tomorrow at 7.30. Um, and, yeah, we've got, got some really exciting uh, shows lined up. So make sure you, you check back in for that. So my, qu- my last question to all three of you is, and I'll start with Elaine, is one thing to remember when you're teaching writing. Um, okay, so it's kind of a new thing, actually, and I, I wanted to, to bring it up, and it's actually the importance of talk um, and how linked I've, I'm finding talk is to, to writing. And this year, I'm making, we're making quite an effort on insisting that students kind of practice the, that disciplinary writing in their talks, that they, they kind of practice... Uh, that we you know we're insisting on trying using full sentences and we're we're trying to use those sentence stems in talk um to again to sort of structure their thinking and for that sort of deliberate practice of the sentence stem um and so i will say things like listen to how i say this um and you know or i might invite them to kind of rephrase it and say can you include can you rephrase can you add that specific vocab so i think talk is an aspect of writing that is just uh, hugely important. Brilliant. And Kate? <laughs> um, right. So my main, if I wanted people to take something away from this, it would be focus on a small suite of skills that are explicitly modelled with plenty of non-examples and then repeatedly practised. Brilliant. Thank you. And Sam? Last but not least read work aloud all the time as you're writing it when you're finished when you're redrafting it get students to listen to what they've written yeah love that i did love it right elaine kate and sam thank you ever so much for your time tonight i've learned a huge amount from all three of you i'm sure everybody else listening has if you want to listen back to this you can do by just clicking on the same link that this show was on so if you want to find it, um, it'll be on exactly the same link that you've listened to it on. And you can just listen back to it and you can do that within, well, within about 30 seconds of us finishing the show. So I just want to thank massively um, Elaine, Kate and Sam for giving up some of their Monday evening to be with me tonight. Um, we, I won't be back next Monday because it's the bank holiday and there's no Teachers Talk radio shows on that Monday. But I will be back in two weeks time personally. Thanks ever so much, everyone, and thanks, Nathan, for admin in, and goodbye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.